Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, just another manic Monday, baby. <laughs> yeah, we love Mondays. Just got back from New York, yeah. took a little trip up to see some family this weekend. It was nice to get back to the city. And one mm-hmm. of the most remarkable things about New York, or unremarkable things, having grown up there, my wife and I both, is, right, Paula, how it never changes, ever. Um, New York, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a couple buildings here or there, but the place never, ever looks any different, ever. I, I'm 44. 40 plus years, uh, you know, I've been a sentient being, absent the childhood amnesia. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I took this trip back with my father. I was with my father this weekend on the Grand Central Parkway, right with the Northern and the Grand Central, <coughs> excuse me, right before the Grand Central bifurcates into the Jackie Robinson Parkway and the Grand Central over to LaGuardia. Uh And New York looks absolutely different than when my father used to take me home. He used to have us on the weekends when I was a kid. Nothing changes in New York. It's incredible. Meanwhile, down here in Florida, you can't go 10 minutes without them building a new road (laughs) or a new complex. I'm serious. It's amazing. Nothing changes in New York. Liberals, you got to get your act together up there. It looks the exact same (laughs) as it did when I was a kid. All right. I have some really great stuff for you this weekend, uh, or that happened this weekend, Devin Nunes with another explosive appearance on Maria Bartiromo's show where he drops a couple tactical nukes on the battlefield of ideas here. We're going to get to that, and I got a couple other things too, including uh, the Democrats trying to pull a dipsy do flip with their Bernie Care Medicare for All plan. They're trying to pull a snake move on you, but don't you worry. I am here to dissect the snakery so you don't fall prey to it. All right, let's get to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Cry Freeze. This is this stuff is awesome. Love it, love it, love it. When you're living in constant pain, sadly, like I am, you know, I know I don't like to complain too much, but if you listen to the show, Joe knows my arthritis yeah, kills me. I have bad osteoarthritis. Finding a remedy is like looking for the Holy Grail, but not anymore. Cryo-Freeze Roll-On, developed by Omax Health, is triple action pain relief. This stuff is fantastic. You see, most over-the-counter pain relievers like Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one cooling effect like menthol, which just temporarily takes your mind off the pain. But if you're an athlete, weekend warrior, anyone who lives with constant joint pain. This, what has two thumbs and constant joint pain? This guy, back pain, muscle soreness or arthritis, cryo freezes for you and for me. Simply roll it on where it hurts. You can't, this, this is mine. This one's open because I actually use this one. Here you go. You having problems with your wrist? Roll it on. There you go. You get a little CBD. Menthol, the stuff is amazing. My mother-in-law, I, she had some neck issues. Put this on her neck. She loved it. She's like, Danny, you got to get me like more bottles of that. And Omax was nice enough to send me some. The stuff is amazing. I can't say enough about it. Throw it in your gym bag, your purse, your briefcase. You have it at your fingertips. The real secret are two ingredients, CBD and menthol, for a soothing sensation of pain. Try cryo-freeze pain relief. Roll on. There you go. Remember, go to omaxhealth.com today and our promo code Bongino to take advantage of some incredible savings. That's omaxhealth, O-M-A-X health.com. Enter promo code Bongino. You'll get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. Don't let muscle soreness continue to be excused for living an active lifestyle. Go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief faster. Use promo code Bongino. This stuff is the real deal. Love it. Can't get enough of it. All right, let's get to it. Nice. Okay, so Devin Nunes was on Maria Bartiromo's fantastic show, which I promote constantly uh, on this uh, broadcast because it's wonderful this weekend. And Nunes, you know what? Let's just get right to it. Let's play soundbite number one, gonna- where Nunes drops the bomb. The I told you is waiting 
Uh, the, oh, wait, wait. Yes. Yes. This is why I need producer yeah, Joe. I am going to, because Devin Nunes knows the whole case, but is limited. He doesn't want to reveal classified information. Nunes has to talk sometimes in code. So Joe found this sophisticated device on eBay. Mm-hmm. It's the Devin Nunes translator, mm-hmm. and it sounds like this. Initiating Nunes translator, Den. Thank you very much, Miss Nunes Trans. It's a very expensive device yeah, Joe man. found on eBay. Millions of dollars for that device. All right, play cut one. This is Devin Nunes addressing the big bombshell waiting out there for everybody to uncover. Why I particularly have a, a problem with this is with, with one of the, the stories is because they pick a news story and then they cherry pick from it. So they use it partly to describe where Mifsud worked, but then they fail to say... In that same story that they have given support to by using it in the Mueller dossier, they cherry pick it and they don't use that Mifsud was described as a Western intelligence asset. Now, Maria, anybody who's out there, all they have to do is get on the World Wide Web. And if you type in Joseph Mifsud, Link Campus, which is where he worked, you will see, you will find, you don't even have to be able to read. Okay, you'll find pictures of him with many foreign dignitaries, foreign leaders. You'll see that the Link campus had the FBI was on the Link campus doing training uh, nearly all the time, nearly every year. So how is it that we spend 30 plus million dollars on this as taxpayers? Yeah. And they can't even tell us who Joseph Mifsud is. So so that's we're getting to the bottom of this. So we believe he has ties to the State Department. The State Department, actually our State Department, had him in the United States Capitol in 2017. Joseph Mifsud. This is and remember, why is Mifsud so important? Because Mueller, the Mueller dossier team, they essentially make this guy out to be a Russian asset under the control of Putin, said that he says he has ties to these to these Russians. You know, sound familiar? So, you know, this is this is the origination of this investigation. And it seems like Mifsud has an awful lot of ties to to U.S., British and Italian intelligence services. Gosh, do I love this guy. I mean it. Mm. Joe, uh, seriously, what would the country do right now without Devin Nunes, Jim Jordan, and Mark Meadows, who have been all over this case from day one? I I don't know. If Devin Nunes would have let this go, we would all still believe Trump colluded with the Russians and that Hillary didn't when the story's, in fact, the exact opposite. This is a critical piece from this interview. So Nunes says a couple things out there. I love it, by the way, that he's calling the Mueller report the Mueller dossier because that's what it is. It's another jaded, narrative-laden document not meant to advance the goals of the rule of law, Joe, but to advance what? An anti-Trump narrative. Well, Trump may not have colluded, but there were a lot of dealings with the Russians. Mm -hmm. None illegal, by the way. Leaves out suspiciously Mrs. Clinton's... uh, legendary at this point dealings with the Russians in terms of the Steele dossier. But he brings up an important point. Mifsud, you know who he is, but again, just a brief headline. Mifsud is the guy who starts this whole thing. He is a Maltese professor who meets with a Trump team member, George Papadopoulos, and the Democrat story goes like this, that Mifsud, who is not Russian, is not Russian, that he was connected to Russians. He had this information about Hillary's emails, DNC emails that he passed to Papadopoulos. This is the Democrat story, not the real story, which is it goes without saying. But 
that he got Masood was connected to Russians, was attempting to pass information to Papadopoulos about the campaign, the Hillary campaign and others. And that's how this whole thing started. And that's why they investigated Papadopoulos. Now, Joe, again, for the umpteenth time, mm-hmm. what is the linchpin of that entire argument to make this collusion narrative stick? That Masood was connected to Russians. There you go. But Nunes beautifully yep. points out a very critical component of the Mueller dossier. Because it is. It's a fairy tale. It's a dossier story meant to hurt the Trump team. It's not a real report. He points out that Mueller suspiciously addresses the fact that Mifsud went to this conference, this economic conference, where Russians have been known to attend and Russian intel people. Now, why would Mueller write that in a report, Joe? To make it look yeah. like Mifsud is connected to Russians, right? Keep in mind, there's nothing illegal about Mifsud attending this conference, nor is there anything even unusual about Russian intel going to these conferences. Russian intel does what intel services around the world do. They're not our friends. Let's be crystal clear. But they try to gather intel. None of this is like breaking news. (laughs) So he says it's interesting that the Mueller report talks about that. But leaves out the fact that I love it that he calls it the World Wide Web, by the way. Paula, my wife's like the, the best internet database website developer I've ever met. Does anybody still call it the World Wide Web? <laughs> no. Is that a no? No, right? <laughs> I, listen, I love Nunes. I'm just messing with him. But I love that Nunes goes, all you have to do is go to the World Wide Web, otherwise known as the internet, <laughs> and Google Joseph Masood. He's right. I love Nunes. I'm just kidding. I'm not messing with him. All you, I, I only know because my wife, this is what she does for a living. She always messes with me when I say the World Wide Web. All you have to do is Google Joseph Masood. And all of these pictures come up of Masood with friendly intelligence assets supposedly friendly united kingdom high up intelligence officials boris johnson from the united kingdom in other words he's cavorted with high level united kingdom intelligence services wait 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 time out joe to red flag under the hood for review i thought you just told us this guy through your report or you insinuated Mueller through the Mueller dossier you insinuated that Mifsud is connected to Russian intelligence. In other words, is an enemy of the United States was trying to impact our election. Did you warn the United Kingdom? Did you warn them they've been cavorting around with a Russian intelligence asset? What about the part Nunes brilliantly brings up at the end, which you already know if you're a listener to the show? That Mifsud in 2017 is welcomed back into the United States at a conference co-sponsored by the U.S. State Department. What? Time out. Time out. Under the hood for review again. Red flag on the field. As my brother Jimmy would say, there's laundry on the field. Laundry on the field for review. So we knew Mifsud was a Russian asset, dreaded air quotes, and the State Department in 2017, a year after his meeting with Papadopoulos, invites him back, gives him a pass into the country. Oh. How's that? Did we warn them? Ladies and gentlemen, what sounds more logical to you? Let me just throw a little wrinkle in this. Mifsud's own lawyer has said that he is a Western intelligence asset. You think his lawyer is lying? Why would he throw himself under the bus like that? Just go away and don't say anything. What's more likely to you? Mifsud is the greatest Russian spy in human history who's managed to dupe the State Department, the FBI, UK intelligence, and Italian intelligence? 
or that Mifsud is not, in fact, a Russian asset and knows the uh, uh, people in the FBI, knows U.S. intelligence, knows Italian intelligence officials, and knows the people from U.K. intelligence he's in the photos with. I'll go what with What makes uh, more sense to you? Not a Russian asset, Dan. Ah, thank you. I'll go with the front. Let's get a hat tip to Alex Trebek, who's very sick. I love Jeopardy, Grum. Hat tip to Alex. What is what, not a Russian asset for 1,000 at the Daily Double? <laughs> Oh my gosh, are these people stupid? This is the most uncurious media I have ever seen in my life. Nunes is right. Just go to the internet and Google Ms. Soot. It is not complicated. Now, please watch our interview Friday with George Papadopoulos or listen. If you're an audio listener, you can watch our show on YouTube, the video for it doesn't matter. Either way, you're going to get the same content, but in the beginning of the show, we do an impromptu call with George Papadopoulos, who I become uh friendly with after him being the target of a major mm -hmm. entrapment operation. And he drops a bomb on Friday's show. Breaking news. There it is up on the screen. Episode 972. Even the New York Times admits spying occurred as a title. Papadopoulos says that information's emerging in the Italian media that people in the Link campus where Papadopoulos worked when he met with Ms. Sud, that people at the Link campus pushed Ms. Sud into setting up Papadopoulos. People at the Link campus, were they Russian? No, they were not. Please listen to Friday's show. It's going to blow your mind. If you want to listen to that segment only, it's in about the first 15 minutes or so. It's the last question I ask him about Mifsud. Gosh, finally, everybody's starting to come around to the Mifsud story. Yeah. I'll leave the Mifsud story on, on this because I got two more, two more uh, snippets of the video from the Bartiromo show on Fox. This will tie in nicely to the next video. Folks, there are only two possible narratives right now. In other words, two possible versions of events as to what happened here. Either the Trump team was colluding with the Russians and Mifsud was connected to Russians and others. Or all of these people, Mifsud and others, were connected to friendlies and you're looking at the biggest entrapment operation for political purposes and spying scandal in U.S. history. Please tell me you understand that these two narratives cannot coexist at the same time. Either the guy who tells Papadopoulos about Russian dirt on Hillary and others, Mifsud I'm talking about, mm -hmm. either that guy is Russian connected or he's connected to the U.S. and friendlies. Meaning Papadopoulos was set up. On that note, let's play soundbite number two. Devin Nunes on the Maria Bartiromo show. Do you believe that the FBI had all of these sources out to entrap people from the Trump campaign so that they could claim that there was a conspiracy, that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians? But in fact, they put all of these sources all across the world to get to members of the Trump campaign like they reached out to Papadopoulos. Well, remember what I said on your show last year? Yep. I think I actually said, I, say, I think I said it first uh, on your show, as I recall. I said, I, I'm not worried about whether or not they were spying on the Trump campaign. That is fact. What I want to know is how many spies with an S were involved in this. You know, I was looking around for a piece of paper here. Nunes says something critical. Can you see that? That's an S. Yes. Spies. 
Spies, not spy. Plural. I, I love Nunes because he cuts right through the fog of this whole case, which gets very complicated and makes very simple, digestible bites for you to take away. He says point number one in this soundbite. There is no longer an argument about it. The Trump team was spied on. None. The question now is how many spies with an S, plural, were involved. We already know Stefan Halper, a central intelligence agency connected U.S. intel asset, was trying to interact with the Trump team and pull information out of them. We now know, thanks to the New York Times of all places, which is desperately trying to save its reputation and get out in front of the story, that Azra Turk was working. Azra Turk, air quotes, that wasn't her real name, as I spoke to Papadopoulos about this on Friday, too, that Azra Turk was another intelligence-connected asset to friendlies trying to pull information about the Russians out of, out of uh, Papadopoulos. Now, spies, who put the information into Papadopoulos' head about the Russians having dirt? You already know, Joseph Mifsud who meets with Papadopoulos before all of this. How, was Mifsud a spy? Was he working with friendlies? Notice, the spy argument's over. Right. It happened. Forget Any, any liberal, police state liberal, clinging to the hope that you're going to somehow be saved by history, you are on the wrong side. You are showing yourself to be a mini-tyrant police state reporter. You're darn right. The price is wrong, you Bob. You are on the wrong side of history. You are an anti-civil liberties advocate who is desperate to defend the police state to advance your own political needs to the disgust of liberty-loving patriots like me and everyone else listening to my show out there. I watched a talking head co-worker of mine this weekend on, uh, on Fox try to do the same thing desperately, desperately trying to defend that. Well, it wasn't spying per se. It was predicated and there were, re what, what, what reason? What re well, we thought Russians were involved with U.S. citizens. Is that a crime? Uh, no, but we should spy on people anyway. Okay. Um, I thought to myself, fair enough. Uh, so your new line of attack is if someone meets with Russians, legal or illegal, Joe, just to be clear, right? Yeah. We should then in turn spy on them. But it's interesting how when you bring up things like, well, should we spy on the Clintons when Bill Clinton took a $500,000 cash payment connected to a Russian bank that was deeply involved in the financing of the Uranium One deal? No, no, no. We shouldn't spy on them for that. No, no. That Russian deal is okay. Okay, so Trump brushing shoulders with a guy who drank Russian vodka six years ago. We should definitely spy on Trump. But Bill Clinton... Literally being paid a half a million dollars by a Russian connected financial institution involved in the financing of the sale of our nuclear fuel. No spying there. Hillary Clinton paying a foreign spy in Christopher Steele to go solicit information from Russians. Their words, they already admitted this. Definitely don't spy on the Clintons. But Jeff Sessions. At a foreign po foreign policy briefing, foreign policy briefing, who happens to brush shoulders with the Russian ambassador, definitely needs to recuse, and we should spy on Sessions too. I'm telling you, I was watching in utter disgust at this panel. I could not believe it.
And thank God, I'm serious. Thank God. Listen, you guys may love or hate Carl Rove. It's up to you. I, all I know is the Secret Service guys I worked with loved him. He was very nice to them. And, you know, listen, he's a Bush guy. I'm not a Bush guy. But he's always been very respectful to me. Mm-hmm. Carl Rove just basically stuffed Marie on the panel. And brought it out plain and simple. Like, I don't get it. Hillary got information from Russians. Why isn't she being spied on? Because we don't spy on American citizens for non-crimes. No, no, they were committing crimes. Where? Well, George Papadopoulos was arrested for lying. He wasn't arrested, charged with anything to do with colluding with the Russians. This is an entrapment scandal. When are you guys going to take the loss on this? And admit you spied police state fashion. When? Gosh, this constitutional republic has no hope for the future, for our kids and the preservation of liberty and freedom. If both sides can't agree, we shouldn't weaponize our intelligence community to spy on our political enemies. We can't agree on that? Oh my gosh, is this disturbing. All right, here's uh, the final piece of sound and uh, video from the show. Maria Bartiromo with Devin Nunes. This is fascinating. How, again, let me just set it up for you quickly because I, this show provides context or else the sound bite's not going to make a lot of sense. This misood dirt, the dirt line is key. Remember the line dirt, Russian dirt. All right. Again, if you're listening, you know that that line comes from one place and one place only. The idea that the Russians had dirt on Hillary's, be crystal clear, comes from only one place. That is the Joseph Mifsud meeting with Papadopoulos in April of 2016. That's the only place this is found. Now, Papadopoulos was arrested for lying to the FBI and prosecuted for not telling him about that, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't get it from Papadopoulos. The dirt line. Keep the dirt. Joe, please tell me if this makes sense. They don't get the dirt line from Papadopoulos. Matter of fact, Papadopoulos is prosecuted because of it. Right. They don't get the dirt line from Alexander Downer, who meets with Papadopoulos after the Mifsud meeting either. Both Downer and Papadopoulos have said repeatedly, no, no, during that meeting, he didn't say anything about Russian dirt. Where did the FBI get the Russian dirt line from? Listen to this sound. This is going to kick your butt a little bit. Check this out. So in the letter, we also point out there's a, there's a lot of talk about, about how Papadopoulos, who was just on earlier, he caused the FBI and the Mueller team problems because he didn't tell them about his, the relationship with Mifsud and how Mifsud had offered emails. Now, this is in 2017. Okay, this is in the Mueller dossier. So this is all about in 2017, how, how uh, Papadopoulos harms their investigation, yeah. right? Well, 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 how is it then that the FBI or supposedly the FBI or other assets know to act, continually ask Papadopoulos about emails, about Clinton emails in 2016? Right. Nobody knew it except none of that ad, none of that and Papadopoulos. So how did the FBI know if Misfood wasn't an asset of the FBI? Oh, yes. Maria Bartiromo is sharp. Damn, is she sharp. See, Nunes knows all. Nunes is sharp, too. I'm not taking anything away from Nunes. But Bartiromo sees exactly what Nunes is laying down there. Ladies and gentlemen, how does the FBI know about Russian dirt on Hillary? Uh, they got it from Papadopoulos. No, they didn't. Papadopoulos was prosecuted for not talking about that. (laughs) Uh, they got it from Downer. No, they didn't get it from Downer. 
Downer has already publicly stated Papadopoulos never told him that. So how would the FBI, if only two people... Joe, if I tell you about Russian dirt on Hillary Mm -hmm. and you and I are being prosecuted and I only tell you and you tell no one else Mm -hmm. and the FBI gets that information... I'm, this is serious. I'm not trying to mess with you. Keep in mind, you and I, Joe, are in my house. We're at our table. Yeah. You tell me, Dan, the Russians have dirt on Hillary in 2016. Mm-hmm. I The FBI shows up at my house weeks later. How did you tell Joe Armacost? Uh, how come you didn't report to us that Joe had dirt on, uh, on, on the Russian dirt on Hillary? How would the FBI have that conversation, Joe, if only you and I talked about it? They might know about it ahead of time. Yes. Yes, they may have put Joe up to it. Yes. Nobody else knew. Nobody. Nobody else. How, notice now, Nunes, who never slips up. Nunes does not say anything that is not thought out in advance. That there were spies, uh, Turk, Halper, maybe Miss Soot. There's only one way the FBI could have found out about it. They've already eliminated Papadopoulos, and it was a two-person conversation. Either the intelligence agencies, the FBI, the CIA, or friendlies had another asset there listening in on the conversation, maybe, or Mifsud was feeding it to them. There is no other explanation. None. This is going to get good. Now, there is a possibility that there was a FISA warrant on Papadopoulos. I should add that. Hmm. But I don't like speculating. That's an idea I'm working on now with my, my second book. If there was a FISA warrant on Papadopoulos, to mm-hmm. use the Joe me analogy, Joe tells me about, hey, they have dirt on Hillary, and Joe goes home and calls his buddy on the phone, and the FBI's listening, then they got it from Joe. Hmm. So there is a possibility there was a FISA on Papadopoulos, and Papadopoulos may have talked about it, right? Mm -hmm. But, but Joe, Mm -hmm. to get a FISA on Papadopoulos, they would have had to had a FISA warrant. Had a, had a, had a. Yep. And a FISA warrant would have to lay out probable cause that Papadopoulos was a foreign agent working on behalf of a foreign power in violation of U.S. law. He wasn't. So if there was a FISA warrant on Papa D, where is that? Oh, this is going to get good. Let me tell you, we have just scratched the surface of this beauty. This Azra Turk story last week was big. It, it To any entrepreneurial media type out there looking to actually do their job, I mean, outside of Fox News, because we've been covering this forever, Catherine Harridge and everyone. I'm talking about other media people, the fake news and CNN, the slimes. In other words, I know you're trying to get out in front of the narrative now, but this is the time to get out there and salvage your tarnished, horrendous reputations. Who was Joseph Mifsud? That's the real story. All right, moving on. I got a lot to cover today. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Lending Club. Hey, for decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy now, pay for it later with interest. But that interest adds up. Despite your, uh, despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one easy fixed monthly payment. Super easy to use. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances. 
with affordable fixed rate personal loans. Here's the thing. No trips to the bank. No high interest credit cards. Get control of your financial future. Just go to LendingClub.com. Tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account. In as little as a few days. Can't beat that. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash Dan. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Dan. LendingClub.com slash Dan. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Check it out. LendingClub.com slash Dan. Okay, moving on. So uh, (laughs) with a bit of hilarity, uh, I have found the jobs numbers uh, almost comical. And and I don't mean comical in that they're great. The jobs numbers have been great. We had economic job numbers launched last week, just so you have some context. The numbers were over 200,000 jobs created under the new Trump economy, far outweighing expectations of 180,000. But I covered that last week. I I, want to cover now because I watched the weekend shows. um, So you know, in many cases, if you can't, you're out in the weekends traveling. But I catch up on them, I tape them, and I watch them on Sunday doing show prep. And I've watched the Democrats hilariously try to knock the Trump economy, <laughs> which is just motoring on so many different cylinders right now that they're just desperate for talking points. Um, so uh, Wall Street Journal had an interesting piece up this weekend kind of covering the job numbers. It's called Growth and the Working Class. It was by their editorial board. Now, here's the, here's the subheadline of the piece. And I, I keep that up for a second there. The Democrats' new talking points, so you're ready. I am here to prepare you for the rhetorical combat you need with your liberal friends. The Democrats' new talking point, Joe Biden aired it in his campaign announcement and other speeches, is, well, the working class are not feeling the Trump economy or the tax cuts. Here's the subheadline: Wages are growing faster for the less skilled than for supervisors. <laughs> no, I didn't read that backwards. Wages are, so the talking point on the left, The working man is not feeling it. Well, you obviously are completely allergic to facts and data, which are saying the exact opposite. Here from the Wall Street Journal piece. This is fascinating. Again, listen, folks, if you're not interested in numbers, this show is not for you. Okay? If you want dopey liberal opinion, go elsewhere. If you want the numbers, come here. From the Wall Street Journal piece. Quote, meanwhile, in April, the month-over-month hourly wage gain for production workers, in other words, the working man and woman, (laughs) was 0.3% versus 0.2% for all workers, including supervisors. The 12-month gain, this is fantastic, the 12-month gain was 3.4% for production workers, working-class men and women like you. Going back, compared to 3.2% for all workers, production worker wages have increased by 7.5% in mining, mining employees, 4.2% in leisure and hospitality. Again, these are working class folks, 4.3% in retail, and uh, roustabouts are getting fatter raises than bankers. Yo, Jojo! Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) <laughs> it, I don't know what to tell you. It's just, I know. He just makes stuff oh, up. Kidding. Are you feeling it? I mean, if it <laughs> yeah, wasn't I'm a room it. of Democrat activists, they'd go, yeah, we kind of are. He'd be like, no, you're not. No, uh, we are. It would be ugly. So you got to get Democrat <laughs> activists at your event events. So, folks, talking point number one. So you're prepared for this because we have a busy you're going to be knocking on doors. A lot of you are going to be out there advocating for the Donald Trump economy with the election. Well, the working class aren't feeling it is just nonsense. It's nonsense. I just showed you the data that production level employees that get their hands dirty and are on the front lines are their earnings. Their wages are growing faster than the supervisors. 
It's just not true that the working class isn't feeling it. Now, as if you needed more information here, but I'll be on Laura Ingram tonight, the Ingram angle debating Chris Hahn again. I'm sure this may come up, the economy. But, and I'm sure Chris will come back with another dopey talk. But, well, it doesn't matter that they're getting more money working class. They're still not feeling it. Here's a poll. You would think, again, if your point is that working class people aren't feeling it, you would think, Joe, that that would show up in a poll, right? Yeah. Ask people, hey, are you feeling the good economy? From the Wall Street Journal again, <laughs> voter approval rising for Trump's handling of the economy. Wall Street Journal, NBC News poll, finds signs the economy can help Trump win support beyond his base voters. Folks, the majority of Americans approve of Trump's handling of the economy. I don't get your point. Your point is not based in reality. Wage increases are primarily hitting working class folks. I provided you the data. It's not my opinion. And then when you actually ask people, are you feeling the effects of the economy? Joe Biden, no, no one's feeling it. Their answer is yes, we're feeling it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what else to say. Do you really want to be the Democrats running against public perception of the economy? I know you're feeling it, but it's not true. I don't. I don't get. I don't. I don't understand. Like people are are dumb. Like they're feeling it, but it's not there. This is a it's a placebo effect. <laughs> it's an economic placebo effect. As if they can't look at their own bank accounts. I mean, I get it. You think we're deplorable and smelly Walmart people and whatever. I've read all the texts and stuff. I know liberals can't stand us. But do you think we're just really that dumb? Ugh. Now, there's a conspiracy theory developing about the economy. This is this Chris Hayes at MSNBC is becoming Chris Hayes is the Chris Matthews of Rachel Maddow's. He really what? is. Hey, oh, by the way, one quick correction on Friday show. Thank you to everyone who pointed it out. I mistakenly said on Friday's show, talking about Papadopoulos needing an apology, I said Chris Wallace. I was talking about Chris Wallace works over at Fox, where I work. Yeah. Um, I meant Chris Matthews. My sincere apologies to Chris Watt. Thank you for pointing it out. That's a big correction. Did Chris point I was it talking out? about Chris Matthews. <laughs> no, no, Chris didn't. He's a nice guy. I think because I said Chris, I said Chris Wallace from MSDNC. So I think most people right. figured out I was talking about Chris Matthews, yeah. but I was not talking about Chris Wallace. My apologies. But uh, uh, Chris Hayes from MSDNC yeah. is the Chris Matthews of Rachel Maddow. He really is. He has this, this is this tweet. This is so ridiculous. This is his new conspiracy theory now that the collusion hoax fell apart. This is hysterical. He, he's giving a, uh, this is a less charitable interpretation of the economy that they didn't get it wrong at all. He's talking about businesses. Quote, they didn't want full employment. They didn't want wage growth and empowered workers. And they certainly didn't want that happening under a Democratic president. Oh, my gosh, the lunatic fringe. How do you take these people seriously anymore? Chris Hayes of MSDNC's new theory, conspiracy theory, is that businesses, Joe, get a load of this one. During yeah. the eight years of Obama-Biden, they didn't want to make money. And they definitely didn't want their employees being more productive. Matter of fact, they wanted to lose money because it was a Democrat president. Well, how about that, Dan? I was suspecting that all along. Do you have that thing you played before the show? What was that thing you were playing about? This is the really stupid thing or whatever you had. Do you have that? Oh, yes. This would be the perfect time. <laughs> I can't find it. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. This no. is the perfect I moment forgot. for this. No. Oh, you played. I, I, in my head, I'm thinking oh, it. Oh. You're like, you saw. Oh, it's official. You, you got to play that. Oh, this yeah. is the perfect time for I'm, that. I'm looking for it. I went for it. Here we go. It's official. You suck. 
<laughs> you never should tease a soundbite like, but it's so funny. It's official. You suck. Are you that stupid? I mean, seriously, Chris Hayes, who pretends to be a bright guy. You believe businesses, businesses out there, because it was an Obama-Biden president, did not want to make money and wanted their employees to suffer. I mean, can you be that dumb? How do you explain away again than the economy that you know boomed in many respects in the Clinton years? That's not undeniable. It was low government spending. You had a you know bifurcated government where the, the Gingrich Congress kind of controlled the worst impulses of Bill Clinton. Why did businesses make money then? This is so dumb. But, you know, it brings up when, when I tweeted this out yesterday, and I, and I mean this. You know, folks, be proud of yourself that you didn't waste a lot of time here. And I don't mean this is kind of a backdoor, backhanded, humble brag compliment for me. I don't. <laughs> you all are, are spending your time on this show and other shows where you're getting facts. And I find it funny that so-called news people, um, Hayes is kind of an opinion guy too, but I, 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 this is kind of a broad brush with them, that news people who got all of the stories wrong, the economic predictions, how Trump was going to crash the economy, the collusion hoax, how these people still have shows and are still on the air while so-called opinion people like me, well, he's an opinion guy, he's not a news guy. We nailed it. Joe, me, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller, Jeff Carlson, Others who, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Rush. We nailed this story. We don't take them seriously. Those are opinion guys. Okay, fine. Whatevs. Yep. We got it right. You got it wrong. And we're supposed to take you seriously? Look at this lunatic. Businesses didn't want to make money in their bump. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Spoken like a true idiot talking head on MSNBC who has no experience in business whatsoever. Lord of the idiots. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, really, how absurd. All right, I got, listen, I want to get to this Bernie Care thing because this is important. There's a piece in the journal today that shreds, shreds Bernie Care to pieces. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk about the Dipsy Doo flipperoo. If I had a fish hook you in on something, and even the CBO, the CBO of all places, didn't let him get away with it. I'll get to that in a second. Our, our last one of the day here. Dinah Trap, so glad to welcome them back. This is Dinah Trap. This is their product. This is one of them. This is really cool. Uh, what is Dynatrap? I live down here in Florida, which is uh, the greatest place on earth, in my opinion. I love it. But one of the things about Florida is there's a lot of bugs down here in Florida. And the only thing more annoying than bugs is, you know, Nancy Pelosi's comment that Bill Barr uh, was lying up on Capitol Hill. That may be a little more annoying than bugs, but not my. They're really annoying. They invade your home. They're outside your house in Florida a lot. You know, in the summer, it gets really bad. And who knows where those flies are last? They land on something uh, not so savory. Then all of a sudden they're on your food. Well, you don't now. need that. We'd like to thank our sponsors. Yeah, we don't want that. We'd like to thank Dynatrap for coming back. We love Dynatrap. They're the leading manufacturer of outdoor mosquito and insect traps. They've come up with a solution for indoor pests. Here it is. This is it. Their fly light. It's, you plug it in. You don't have to do anything. I have one plugged in inside. That's the reaction. I don't want to bring. My wife said this morning, she's funny. Because it's so good. She's like, don't show them ours because ours has a couple <laughs> of bugs on it because we just plugged it in. She's like, you can't show them ours. This thing will get the bugs out of your house, out of your garage, and their outdoor system, which we use outside. I kid you not. If you've ever been to my house, you've seen it out there. You will not have an insect near your house ever. This thing is great. My wife sit out, and I sit out there on Saturday nights. We don't have to worry about bugs anymore. We don't even have a screen out there. Forget those disgusting fly trips. The fly light looks like a subtle nightlight. Plugs into any indoor outlet. Trust me, I've been using this for, not. A, it says here a couple, of, I've been using this for years since they came on board with us. Get yours. Go buy this now. Get the insects out of your house. It's great system 
Go to Dynatrap.com, enter promo code Bongino, receive 15% off any of their products. That's Dynatrap, D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com, promo code Bongino for 15% off. It's the safe, safe, silent, simple solution to household insect control. Can't say enough about it. Yeah, and you don't have to be only in Florida. <laughs> there are bugs everywhere. You know, you got yeah. stink bugs where Joe is up in oh, Maryland. Yeah. Get rid of the stink bugs. Annapolis. Go get yourself Dynatrap. All right. No, oh, the worst. Those stink <laughs> bugs are terrible. If you live in Maryland, you know exactly what Joe's talking about. They're horrible. All right, uh, moving on. So uh, the Journal has a great piece about Bernie Care, uh, Bernie Sanders Care, otherwise known as Medicare for All, which is really should be known appropriately as Medicare for None and Healthcare for None. Uh, the piece <laughs> is entitled The Burdens of Bernie Care by their editorial board. And here's the trick here. Here's what they're trying to do. This is slick. The, the Journal has some really good pieces today in their opinion column. I highly recommend them. Bernie doesn't want to put down formally an analysis of his program in writing fully, like in bill format. So they're trying to get the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, if they give them some projections to put out a report that won't be as damning as, say, a fully complete bill voted on, which would have the specifics, okay? Just to be clear on what I mean by that. They're trying to hide the worst parts of Bernie Care, Medicare for All, while glossing over some of the downsides. Well, they pushed it over to the CBO to get kind of a wink and a nod about it. And even the CBO with the Bernie Care's own projections put out a report with five chunks of information, and I want to highlight, on how bad Medicare for none, otherwise known as Medicare for all, will be. Here's the first piece from the journal. Ladies and gentlemen, even the CBO that has been known to be deferential to the projections liberals give them, in other words, nice to them, puts in the piece that some high-income people might prefer to uh, purchase substitutive insurance that offers more generous benefits, uh, benefits or greater access to providers. In other words, what they're saying is Bernie Care would eliminate private insurance. You will have no private insurance. And that line about wealthier people trying to uh, uh, purchase substitutes, meaning there's no way out. You will not be allowed. Private insurance will be banned. Unless it's for something not covered by Medicare for none, the Bernie Sanders plan. Which will be almost nothing except like plastic surgery. As Bernie himself said in that interview, remember? He asked him, So the host said, so basically, insurance will be for nose jobs. Oh, yes. Yes, it will. Folks, your private insurance will be banned. This is the CBO's own. Keep in mind, they're getting, they're getting it on a silver platter from the left and saying, hey, give us a little something here. And they can't even gloss over that. Your private insurance. I cannot harp on this enough. This is going to become a huge enormous issue in 2020 if you like your plan right now it is gone gone including the medicare plan you have now on medicare because now funds dedicated to you on medicare are going to be spread over 330 million americans takeaway number two that CBO couldn't even hide. There will be rationing. Remember that movie, Daniel Day-Lewis? There will be blood. I love mm. that movie about the oil field workers. There will be rationing. The piece goes, uh, goes on, I quote, and you can't go to any doctor you want if government isn't paying providers what they really cost. Bernie's care, just to be clear, Bernie care cuts provider costs by 40%, payments to doctors. 
The point of Medicare for All is to cut reimbursement rates to Medicare levels, which government can now set so low only because private commercial reimbursement rates are so much higher. Cutting reimbursement rates would, quote, from the CBO report, probably reduce the amount of care supplied and could also reduce the quality of care, CBO says. Wait, 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 time out. Laundry on the field, folks. I was told by Bernie Sanders that you just get your Medicare card. And you get your Medicare card and you go to any hospital or doctor you want. I, that's what he told us. And quality is going to be so much greater because there's no administrative cost. That's not what the CBO said. Keep in mind, this is a silver <laughs> platter report they gave him. That's not what they said. That's not what they said. We told any hospital. You can go to any hospital you want. That's what he told us. The CBO with their own estimates are saying the quality of care will be reduced and your access to hospitals will be reduced and doctors as well. Keep in mind the dynamic here. The only reason Medicare and Medicaid exist is because free market insurance pays an... Let me just do a little diagram for liberals because they're hard here. A little no. hand diagram. This is the, If the average were the same, in other words, if Medicare and private insurance were reimbursing doctors at $50 an hour, and they needed and they needed a hundred dollars an hour to stay in business. Mm -hmm. They're paying employees, whatever. Doctors would start to go out of business. What happens is Medicare. So they need a hundred dollars an hour a doctor to stay in business. Easy math for liberals, right? Mm -hmm. Medicare is paying fifty. If private insurance paid fifty-two, doctors would go out of business. What happens now is Medicare and Medicaid, Medicaid rates specifically, underpay doctors by half. The reason doctors can stay in business is because insurance companies and free markets are basically overbilled to compensate for the difference. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. If private insurance is banned, there's going to be nobody to pick up the slack. People will die. Which is going to cause doctors. Right. The yes, doctors and hospitals will go out of business. Which will lead to rationing. Mm. If you can do basic math, which I understand liberals can. I know we're asking a lot here. Okay, what did Bernie also tell us? You will have treatment options everywhere. Everywhere. Any doctor or hospital you want. <laughs> Not according to the CBO's report in the Wall Street Journal. Quote, under any of the pricing approaches discussed below, a single-payer system could decide to exclude certain drugs or place those drugs on a non-preferred drug list because they are too expensive or because they do not have any additional benefit. Wait, wait, wait. Treatment options limited. That's not what we were told. We were told any doctor or hospital anywhere. <laughs> well, that's great, Joe. They just can't prescribe yeah. you any drugs. So you come in, imagine this. This is Bernie's plan. You go in, you're like, Doc, I got this trash, you know. Oh, it ain't good. This is really trouble, you know. I, oh, I got to go back to work. I, I can't. Oh, man. The doc, oh, the doc looks. And he's like, you know, by the way, it's funny. I, I love doctors, but I've had a few doctors, like, when I went in with joint injuries, and they look at my x-ray, they're like, whoa. Oh, I'm like, hey, Doc, can you take it easy? You don't have to scare me. Oh, I'm serious. They'd be like, what the hell is that? D bro, bro, can you ease up a little bit? So, but imagine that. So you like pull up your shirt. Doc is like, oh, whoa, what is that? The doc looks at you and goes, hey, bro, that is really bad. Oh, okay. Well, what are we going to do? Well, they have this cream out there. You can get rid of that little rash on your chest. Oh, great. Yeah, but I can't prescribe it. Bernie says... <laughs> Any doctor or hospital, but they can't give you the treatment because it's too expensive. Now, if it's your private insurance company, you fire them and find a new insurance company. Like I did when one insurance company wouldn't pay for a back surgery I needed.
But with the government, where else are you going to go? The answer is nowhere. Unless you need a nose job, like Bernie said, with that interviewer. I thought treatment options weren't going to be limited. I guess not. The CBO's own report. Read it yourself. Read that piece in the journal. You think I'm messing with you. Here's another one about responsiveness. In other words, customer service. Listen, a lot of people complain about, you know, uh, uh, customer service with their insurance companies. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to protect insurance companies or anything. If If they stink, cancel them. I mean, you can't cancel the government. So from the journal piece. And, quote, again, unlike a system with competing private insurers, where you can cancel, by the way, the public plan might not be as quick to meet patients' needs, such as covering new treatments. The journal goes on. You mean government is less responsive than private businesses? They're being sarcastic. Yes. You're not going to be able to escape the government. The government plan is Medicare for all, (laughs) not for some. There is no private insurance. You are stuck. The government, Joe, can you think of a government entity that has outcompeted the private market? Oh, come on. No. I know I'm serious. Like, I'm not knocking. I don't want to like pile on. I know people work no. for, I was a government employee myself, but the postal service is routinely outcompeted by UPS. And even that's even with a monopoly on first class mail and FedEx. I mean, I'm trying to think of an entity no. in the government that can outcompete private industry where there's actual competition, well, it, free it, markets. Except for a couple things. The government sucks at everything. It's universal. Yeah. It is a universal suck factor it ain't even of funny. like a hundred on a hundred scale. Right. And, and and there are some areas we accept the suck, I, you know, like the administrative, because there are areas we agree. There are areas we agree, you know, right, the taxing system. You don't want private taxing entities to be out there be like mercenaries running the street. But the suck is pretty much universal. Mm-hmm. Thank with the exception, by the way. Of our, our cops, firemen, yeah. first responders, and military. Oh, by couple, the way, I, yeah. no, you guys are awesome. I mean, it, which is amazing because you have to deal with idiots in the government <laughs> and you still produce the finest <laughs> fighting force in the history of humankind and the best cops we <laughs> I know, yeah. I worked with them. Yeah, man. No, I'm serious. It's like, it's right? It's amazing that you manage to do what you do every day so heroically and bravely. I'm serious. Despite the fact that Idiots are in Congress and other people are the ones managing the operation. Yep. All right, last one. Bernie keeps telling us about the efficiencies. This will get cheaper. We will save money. No, that's not what the CBO report says, Bernie. (laughs) You handed it to him on a silver platter. Less money out of your pockets. Not correct. Quote from the CBO report, (laughs) government spending on health care would increase substantially. I I don't know what else to say. That's the CBO's own report. They were given on a silver platter. And here's one more snippet from the journal piece. Honest private estimates suggest it would take at least a doubling of individual and corporate taxes. You want to pay double the tax bill? Sign on for Medicare for none. Like Bernie says. So. It's dead. You want to pay double? You want to pay double for, I have this written down, no private insurance, rationing, limited treatment options, crappy responsiveness, and twice the bill. Good luck with that. And if you don't, people will die. That's what Bernie will tell you. He loves that. Unreal. Again, that's not my opinion, folks. That's the CBO report covered by the journal today. Read it yourself.
Go to the original text. Read it yourself. You think I'm making this up? <laughs> uh, you know, this. I, I, I usually don't talk about stories that aren't in the news, but I had an idea this morning. I genuinely want the audience's opinion on this. I wanted to put something out there. You know, I have a soft spot for our military, our cops, our first responders, you bet. firemen, EMT employees. I, I mean, maybe because I, you know, there's an obvious reason. I mean, the the issue of self sacrifice, the idea that you're going to work for nothing. I mean, none, none of these guys get rich. I was a cop. I think my weekly salary when I started with the NYPD was three hundred dollars a week or something. Wow. Um, they don't get rich. These men or women out there, and they do this job that's thankless. I mean, it really is. And the threat of death and doom and dismemberment and destruction is, you know, it's over your head like a sword of Damocles every single day. And I just, this morning before I go on the air, I like to throw out ideas. I like to kind of have an ideas machine on the show. And sometimes people send me really terrific ideas and I'll talk about them on the show. But I have one this morning. What about Joe as an incentive? And, and, and uh, you know, send us an email, tweet us. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. What about as an incentive for our military folks out there who joined the military, again, for almost no compensation whatsoever, what about a 15, 20 year waiver from federal taxes oh, if you join our military? Dude. Wouldn't that be a great idea? Wow. Right? Like, why should they have to pay taxes, federal taxes? Hmm. Now, I'm serious. Like, they work for nothing, they get peanuts. Mm -hmm. You know, a large swaths of them come home damaged, sometimes in coffins, don't come home at all. Um, why should they pay federal taxes? They give them a 15, 20 year waiver. Hmm. I mean, I, I I don't know. I just thought uh, some of you may, I, I get it. I mean, I'm listen, I'm a fiscal conservative, but I, you know, listen, without our military, we've got nothing. I mean, it's, you know, it's great to talk about the country and the Republic and the constitution, but that doesn't matter if people, you know, willing to do violence on behalf of the country aren't willing to put their butts on the line for everyone else. Mm -hmm. I had that idea this morning. I thought that would be a pretty awesome bill. I would support you join the military. You put your butt on the line. You get a 15, 20 year waiver from your federal income tax bill. Good for you. Mm. I don't know. Some of you may like it. Some of you may it not. Sounds I, just, I love good. your feedback you know, on stuff. First blush. I so, love you know? it. They, you know, pay it. They mm -hmm. got to pay the, the, these guys, listen, you do four years uh, in the military. You do four, eight, 12 years in a war zone. We're good. Your bill's paid, brother or sister. You're good. Hmm. You know, there are all kinds of stuff out there for, you know, police officers who get hurt in the line of duty that get waivers from tax bills mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, I, I think it'd be fair enough to consider for our military. All right. Um, the final story of the day. So Washington State, uh, this is just outrageous. I saw this, a lot of Wall Street Journal stuff this morning, but they had some really good pieces. Uh, opinion piece again by the editorial board. Racial spoils in Washington State. This is incredible. And I worry about this stuff because Joe lives in Maryland. I live there. And what happens in states that are going deep blue now, like Washington State and Maryland, which has been, excuse me, deep blue for a long time, mm -hmm. is these states become incubators for really bad ideas. And those ideas then start to move across the country. I bring this up about Washington State. This is a national, well, in some cases, international show. We got a lot of listeners overseas. Shout out to my Australia folks and Japan folks who email me a lot. Um, these ideas will move around the country and sometimes around the world if they don't get significant pushback in blue states. That's why I constantly told people running quality candidates in blue Democrat states as Republicans and conservatives still matters, even if they're going to get smoked. I did. I got beaten in the Senate race bad in Maryland, but it was important. Some of the volunteers for me went on to volunteer for a later uh, a governor, who, a Republican governor, who later on won. 
I know the people personally. It was their first time in politics. This was a horrible idea. Here's the, uh, the idea in a nutshell. So the Democrats back in the, uh, uh, excuse me, the Washington state voters rejected an amendment for racial preferences uh, years ago. They was on the ballot. They said, no, people should be judged by their skills and the content of their character. You would think which would be the right position in the moral arc of history. Right. We should not be judging people on race, no. period. I don't know why this is a controversial idea. Well, it's not, but it is amongst liberals. The liberals in Washington state apparently were not happy about this referendum. No racial preferences. You're going to get a job in government or elsewhere. You're going to do it on your own skills. So the Democrats over there and the liberals just put through this, what, initiative 1000 there. Uh, this uh, And basically what it did here, it is in 1998, 58% of voters supported a ballot measure that basically prohibited discrimination uh, on race. Democrats overturned that ban with not a single GOP vote. They replaced it with initiative 1000, which reinstates race, gender, and other identity markers for use in college admissions and for government contracts and hiring. You know, I, I, I just want to leave you with this before, before we go for the day. Folks, Friedrich Hayek laid this out beautifully in The Road to Serfdom. When government tries to enforce, air quotes, equality, right? By legislating de facto racial discrimination, it requires the government to treat people unequally follow me that is an important takeaway from hayek's work government enforced equality by its very nature forces the government to treat people unequally so now you have this bill in washington state where people are to be judged by their racial and gender characteristics for college admissions and jobs not based on their skills that that could be the deciding factor, regardless of the wording of the bill that tries to dance around that. A deciding factor could be your race. Now, there's a group of, uh, of Asians who are suing on this because they fear that Asian people will then be underrepresented and will be discriminated against because they don't fit some kind of category necessary to enforce government equality. Remember, if there's two people applying for a job one is an Asian man and one is a, say, Hispanic woman. And they're equally qualified and the Asian man interviews better than the Hispanic woman. But the Hispanic woman gets the job because they have to meet a quota due to this new law. The government, by trying to enforce equality, actually treated the two entirely unequally. I only bring this up because I guarantee you're going to start to see all the stuff, reparations, all this other stuff, which requires people to be treated unequally. Remember, government enforced equality by default requires the government to treat people unequally. This is troubling what's happening in Washington State, and you're going to hear more about it. That was a stacked show today. Yes, sir. All right, thanks a lot, folks, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to our video show, youtube.com slash Bongino. You can check out the video of the show on audio. Amen. Please subscribe on the podcast app on Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you go, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Really important for us to move up the charts, and the subscriptions are all free. Just follow us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You're a great, loyal audience. It means the world to me. All right, I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks again. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show.
You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.